If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt at 3 a.m., at all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New Miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense. So full of nutrient rich, high quality ingredients. Miracle Grow is simply the best. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. Where in every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope. You will too. Hey, y'all. Today's story is by Darcy Little Badger. She is a Lapan Apache scientist and writer. After studying gene expression in toxin producing phytoplankton, she has received a PhD from Texas A&M University. That's right. Go Aggies. Her short fiction and comics have appeared in several publications, including Lightspeed, Strange Horizons, Mythic Delirium, Love Beyond Body, Space and Time. You get the idea. And her young adult novel, Ilazzo, is out this fall and has ghosts and ancestral magic and just all kinds of good stuff. Now, before I start talking about her story, well, for those of you with kids in the car, there are a couple of curse words that feature prominently in the text, so... There you go. As you may know, a lot of short story anthologies are organized around some kind of central theme. Think reimagined fairy tales, stories of first contact, time travel stories, you know. The piece that I'm going to read today was featured in an anthology of stories that all begin with the same first few memorable words. These are the kind of words that you use in recounting an incredible improbable tale. Them being, no shit, there I was. The story is called Skinwalker Fast Talker. And if you're not familiar with the skinwalker of the title, it's a figure that pops up in indigenous American culture, including the Navajo and Apache. It varies a bit from people to people, but generally a skinwalker is a type of harmful witch who can either turn into or disguise themselves as an animal. And you'll also hear about the coyote in this story, who is traditionally a trickster figure. Our protagonist is Mel, a person of indigenous descent who lives somewhere in Texas. Mel works for a tabloid, Kind of like the Weekly World News. You know, the type of paper that publishes stories about Bat Boy or aliens landing on the South Lawn of the White House. This is a story about sorting out intention from action, of seeking truth and finding several different versions of said truth. So, if you're ready, let's 
Take a deep breath. Begin. Skin Walker, Fast Talker by Darcy Little Badger. No shit. There I was, shopping for bolo ties at the Texas Way South powwow when Frankie Bluehorn graced the room. If that wasn't shocking enough, he carried a ratty pelt quilt. I mean, scraps of brown, other shades of brown, and other, other shades of brown fur stitched together in the nastiest horror movie-looking blanket I've seen. We locked eyes across the cavernous auditorium, and Frankie approached marching in sync with the thunderous fancy dance drum beats. Thrum, 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 thrum. Ominous. It's his way. More ominous considering our statures. Frankie, 6'2", quarterback wide, his perpetually sunburnt or windburnt or emotion-flushed face creased in a mean scowl. Me? 5-1, skin the anemic brown of a woman who rarely encounters sunlight. My thick-framed, thicker-lensed glasses no doubt magnifying two wide eyes. Hey, Frankie, I said. What are you doing at this, what did he once call powwows? Headaches? Rita fell for cranky, severe men, and her husband was no exception. This place without my sister. I'm looking for the con man who sold Junior... Roadkill. He shook the quilt. It shed fur fluff onto the polished hardwood floor. I snorted, incredulously, not maliciously, because Frankie Jr. worked at the mall, particularly during the November, December, January holiday season. Better than most kids, he damn well appreciated money and would not drop one cent on Leatherface's shabbiest tablecloth. Dead serious smell, he said. Have you seen a flashy man? I pointed at the fancy dancers twirling around the dance ring. It doesn't get flashier than neon feathers and fringe on three-foot-wide bustles. Not that. He wore a blue velvet jacket and expensive sunglasses. No, Frankie, but people can change clothes. Did Junior describe his face or... I know... Matty, the bolo tie vendor, leaned over her wares and patted my arm. That pretty man was selling fur and bones yesterday. There! She pointed to an empty table against the far wall. Have you seen him today? Not recently. Dang, how much did Junior lose? I have cash handy. I'd been saving for a beaded bolo rosette, but Junior, sweet... Shy, hard-working, deserved compassion. Anyway, he was the only nephew I could spoil because my little sis Veronica thought I was a bad influence for all the wrong reasons. Everything, Frankie said. Four hundred. Hell's bells. Why? He thought it... 
Another violent shake peppered the air with mothball-scented fur. It was magic. Watch. He pulled up a video on his phone and hit play. My business card contains the word journalist, but my portfolio includes headlines like Bigfoot wins mayoral election and NASA identifies singing planet. Quote, unquote, journalism is not a lucrative career. In fact, I work nights behind a hotel reception desk to pay rent, but its perks include creative freedom and a charming reader base. Its annoyances? Links to mostly poorly doctored videos featuring ghost orbs, shadowy figures, and UFOs. Those links multiply like rabbits in my work inbox. The point is, I've seen hundreds of fakie filmed supernatural phenomena, and the video Frankie played was damn convincing. The narrow shot, captured by a vertical smartphone, depicts a small clearing in dense mesquite woods. It's dusk, the sky red. A man, the man, blue jacket and all, tall and fit with slick black hair, faces away from the camera. He holds the pelt quilt in one hand. Watch. His voice is smooth and deep. When you wear the fur, dwell on your pain. Every moment you've been hurt, every person who has wronged you. He drapes the fur over his shoulders and changes, stretching, contracting, contorting. Shirt, jacket, pants, pelt, and sunglasses fall, bearing a great wolf six feet long, eyes like flames, pointed snout lifted to scent the air, triangle ears swiveling. His coat... Reddish, under the sky, is a tapestry of blacks, whites, and browns. Healthier, thicker, and more beautiful than the pelt quilt heaped nearby. Behind the camera, Junior cries, Scanwalker! The video ends. Junior, film this? I asked. Last night. Jesus, I wish you never saw that movie. I know the one. Skinwalking Eve was a western about shapeshifters and beautiful young cowboys. The pop culture reviewer at my magazine, Bi-Monthly Weird Online, called it a blatant ripoff of the last werewolf blockbuster and Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And those were his kindest sentiments. Email this video to me, I said. We need to find the con artist. It might be difficult to prosecute psychics, mystics, and other hand-wavers, but deception is still criminal. You aren't a real journalist. I turned my back on Frankie. Maddie, hon, can you do me a favor? Oh, but first, I'll take the blue and gold rosette, please. I didn't know what Junior witnessed in the mesquite forest. Impressive magic trick? Genuine shapeshifter? Hologram? But it sure as hell wasn't a skinwalker. Those guys are legit evil. Let's leave it at that.
desperate for answers, I forwarded the video to the bi-monthly weird editor, a morose fellow who'd been earning a history PhD for 13 years. We first met when he still had aspirations to graduate in a timely manner. Since then, little had changed in either of our lives, with two notable exceptions. Rigor Morty, just his pseudonym, fortunately, had filled in his tattoo sleeve with colors, gradually transforming a web of lines into stained glass roses and thorns, and I had married my childhood sweetheart, Miss Fiona King. Impeccable special effects, Morty said after mulling over the video, his face greenish and the light filtering through his desktop banker's lamp peered from my Skype video box. Is this for a new story? Could be. I'm throwing around the title Skinwalker or Fast Talker. What do you think? Promising. Tie time, too. What? You always write about Bigfoot, aliens, and subliminal messages. Just nice to publish a story that reflects your heritage. Hey, I'm Apache. Plus, Bigfoot chased my ancestors over the Bering Strait. That may be so, Morty said. But we need to increase the monster diversity of bi-monthly weird. You think Junior filmed a real transformation? I asked, only mostly facetiously. In my line of work, I hear enough outlandish claims from the I-want-to-believe community to take everything with a grain of salt. Yet, if R. Morty and I couldn't discern any trickery in the video, that hinted at something stranger than a run-of-the-mill con man. Absolutely not, he said. There's one huge mistake. The coyote is too big. It's a wolf. Correction. Morty's favorite word. He may be wolf-sized, but the pointed muzzle and large ears are characteristics of Canis Latrans. You sure? A sly unease pinched goosebumps up my limbs. Absolutely. I asked the Lycanthrope Forum for advice. At most, it's a hybrid. Definitely not wolf. He ducked out of the video box, returning with a black cat draped around his shoulders. Whatever the case, Morty continued, your magician screwed up. Well, until next week. Right now, the kitten wants supper. He signed off, abandoning me to outlandish thoughts. No shit. There... I was, surrounded by computer monitors, a smartphone in my pocket, and a bag of cheesy chips at my powder-caked fingertips, contemplating the existence of Trickster Coyote. Do you know about him? Or, more correctly, one of his incarnations? Coyote is a diverse character in North American folklore. Some tribes dwell on his cruelty. Others note his benevolence. In the stories I heard as a child, Coyote was clever but unwise, vainglorious but prone to rare, very rare, bouts of kindness. For example, when he noticed humans shivering and weeping during the first winter, Coyote stole fire from the lightning bug people to keep us warm. Here's another story. It's the 21st century, 
Theaters across the United States show a new blockbuster, Skin Walking Eve. In the post-colonial era, Junior may be Navajo and Apache, but he learns about his ancestors' monsters through Hollywood. To him, skinwalkers are merely pelt-wearing shapeshifters. Thus, he falls prey to Coyote, a spirit who dances between bodies, human to animal, animal to human. Oh, the magic is real, but it's not something Junior can buy. On my spiral notepad, I wrote the following question. How can I outsmart the original con man? A knock on the door captured my attention. Am I disturbing you? She always asked that, and my answer was always, never. Come in. Fiona slipped into my office and placed a mug of steaming Darjeeling tea among the rubbish. Books, magazines, posable monster figures, and tangled USB cords on my desk. Thank you, babe, I said. She leaned over and we kissed. Since we married, I must have thanked her for 1,000 cups of tea. Kissed her from my office chair 1,000 times. It was routine, like breathing is routine unconscious, and vital to my well-being. I'm almost done for tonight. Maybe we can see a movie, I said. It's barely ten. I glanced at the video paused on my left-hand computer monitor, at the wolf-sized coyote in his flame-bright eyes. Not much I can do right now, unfortunately. Until Maddie calls, I'm stuck. This, Maddie... Fiona touched the blue and gold rosette hanging around her neck. It suited the western blouses she loved, but right now Fiona wore it over a loose t-shirt. The very one. She's my spy in the powwow circuit. You think the con man will strike again? I sipped my tea, relishing its strong brew. I almost guarantee it. The call came three weeks later, from Austin. I see him, Maddie said. Same sunglasses, different jacket. This one is yellow. I'll be there tomorrow. Hope our flashy man sticks around. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. And every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire. Michelle Obama, to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Because stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
I live by routines, especially my same-day delivery routine with Shipt. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipt, delight in every delivery. Learn more at Shipt.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Now. Let's get back to our story. Fiona had to work that Saturday, so I drove to Austin alone, consuming copious amounts of drive through coffee and thriller podcasts during the four-hour trip. The intertribal powwow was hosted in a recreation center near the suburbs. By my 10 a.m. arrival, it bustled with activity. Chefs, Sold fry bread for three bucks, four bucks if you wanted strawberry preserves on top. I did. The bleachers seated a couple dozen spectators. I'd never seen a full house at any powwow, not that I frequented many. The drummers were quiet as the master of ceremonies introduced the next dance. Wooden benches surrounding the dance circle were covered with blankets and dancers. Behind the benches, Vendors sold their wares. I walked from booth to booth, searching for the pelt salesman. Here, I found silver and turquoise jewelry. There, I found dream catchers and paintings of curvaceous women. Next came more jewelry, more dream catchers, and a booth that sold handmade toys and wooden drums. But a flash of color caught my eye. Not my target, Instead, it was my six-year-old nephew, little Chris. He scurried from the dressing room, wearing a grass dancer outfit with so much yellow fringe he resembled a pom-pom. A stooped elderly woman followed him, smiling. Veronica must be nearby. Sure enough, she exited the dressing room, resplendent in blues and violets. Veronica stooped, to fasten knee-high leather boots, wrapping their strings tight enough to bruise the proper method, as my father always said. He and Mom died 15 years ago when I was 23. Now all that remained of their voices were certain phrases like, Tie them tight, girls, or they'll puddle around your ankles. Who could the elder be? Veronica's mother-in-law? A family friend? No use approaching to introduce myself. It would just cause trouble. Here's another voice. Veronica's, permanently burned in my memories. Thank God they died before you could break their hearts. 
I love her. You can't love a her. Chris had grown so tall. He'd also lost a tooth recently, maybe his first. It hurt like hell that Veronica made me choose between my wife and youngest nephew. I was so hurt. I was so angry. I, I just... I caught a whiff of mothballs. Arms burdened with furs, a 30-something man with movie star cheekbones dumped his wares on an empty plastic table. He wore the flashy, eccentric garb of a pickup artist, hair spiked by gel, twinkling ruby studs in each ear, red, not yellow today for better or worse, velvet blazer over a white silk shirt, reflective sunglasses. A yellow eye had been beaded on the medicine bag around his neck. It was, of course, a coyote eye. After tidying the pelts, he sat and propped his feet, bright red cowboy boots, no surprise, on the table. Is this faux fur? I asked, approaching the display. You're kidding. He sat straight, feet down. No, I trapped them myself. I'm looking for a Halloween costume, I said. Ever watch... Skinwalking Eve? Of course. He smiled. His teeth were sharp, white. Could be customized dental caps, but I suspected otherwise. There was one way to find out. I had to know. You want to be the monster? He prompted. Definitely. Get lost. Still smiling, he propped up his feet again. I've seen your eyes before, in a boy, from McAllen. He pointed to a note card on a tattered rabbit pelt. It said, no refunds. That was Junior, my nephew. Look, he shared the video. Your point? Nobody can fake magic like that. With preternatural quickness, or was I just jumpy, he moved to the table's edge, perching close enough that I smelled Axe body spray over the mothballs. Did Junior master the spell? He asked. Not yet. Tricky thing, shape-shifting. Without enough pain and concentration, he won't sprout a tail. Children rarely succeed. Do you know what else I see in your eyes? A web of blood vessels, no doubt. I drove to Austin after working an all-nighter behind the hotel reception desk. No. What? Enough pain to change. I want to witness your transformation, please. He scrutinized me, no longer smiling. Then the grin returned. Tonight, then. 9 p.m. We can meet in Princeton Park across the street. Come alone. He handed me a business card emblazoned with a phone number and a gold eye. That sounds dangerous. I'll protect you. What if you're the bad guy? <laughs> he clapped a hand over his mouth 
snickering. The fingernails had been filed into points. Stay in your car. It's all the same to me. Do you have a name? I asked. So many. Any preferences? Marcus. I slipped the business card in my wallet. See you tonight. On the way out, I bought a child's flute, hand-carved wood that twittered like a bird. The toy vendor accepted a five-dollar bribe to surprise little Chris with my gift. Marcus watched the exchange from his table, grinning like the Cheshire Cat. His long teeth made it difficult to nap in my forty-buck hotel room that afternoon. Barely rested, I rolled out of bed and checked my phone. 8.29 p.m. Outside, thunder rumbled and drizzle fell. With luck, the storm would pass fast. Texas weather always seemed to be in a hurry. Rain or no, however, I planned to stay in my car during the meeting. Marcus could not be trusted. Didn't matter if he was a man or a coyote. Princeton Park was a quarter mile off the main road. A pocket of playground equipment and exercise helpers. Pull-up bars, stretching racks, inclined sit-up benches in a woodsy neighborhood. I idled beside the only other vehicle in the parking lot. A yellow motorcycle and cracked the driver's side window. Marcus? I'm here. He emerged from a cement tunnel. His Eyes, two chips of reflective glass that shone in my headlights. So you are. Let's get started. I have a date waiting. Marcus tied a pelt quilt around his neck and spun. A fur miasma rose from the cape and fireflies danced around his head, moths to a flame. Concentrate on your pain, he shouted. On the injustices you know. On the people who have wronged you. I rolled down the window fully, leaning outside, tenterhooks fastening in my chest. On the lies you've told, he continued. To me, specifically. He chucked the pelt quilt at my face, cackling. As it struck, a plume of rancid fur stung my nose and eyes. What the hell, Marcus? I might have come from the Stone Age, he said. But that doesn't mean I can't use Google. You're a journalist. Not exactly. Trying to get a scoop? What am I doing on your magazine's freaking lycanthrope forum? Lycanthropes? Really? To be fair, they universally agree that you're a big coyote. I'm the coyote. By the way, I hate that video. Junior didn't even film my face. It is a lovely face. Take out your phone. I want a redo. Tantalized by video evidence, I left my car and circled... Coyote, searching for the ideal filming angle. 
one with sufficient illumination and no monkey bars in frame. At last, I said, perfect. Ready? Three, two, one, action. Before my smartphone's camera, fur bristled from his skin. His face lengthened and his limbs twisted, bent, and stretched. The wolf-sized animal collapsed on his side, tangled in the silk shirt. It hugged him like a straitjacket. Unfortunately, Coyote was no Houdini. Can you help? No thumbs, he asked. Hate it when this happens. The voice came from midair, as if cast by a ventriloquist. Blink three times. Prove you're real. He stopped wiggling long enough to wink thrice. Close enough. There came the goosebumps again. I had my proof. This was no trick of smoke and mirrors. This was my brush with the weird. My chance to be a journalist sans quote unquote. Although nobody would believe me. How could they? Who would expect that out of all the aliens, ghosts, and monsters purportedly out there, the truth was this. A trickster spirit tangled in his pickup artist outfit. I graciously unbuttoned his shirt. Do you want to try again? Maybe without the wardrobe issues? Did you get my face? It sure did. He raised a paw, and we shook. That's all I want. Vanity. That I could exploit. Let's make a deal, I said. You're going to star in next month's issue, Skinwalker or Fast Talker. Now, what kind of coyote will draw readers? Handsome, devil-may-care rogue, or slobby, washed-up con artist? He growled. What do you want? Give Junior a refund. Lady, I already spent that money on shoes. Right. Slobby con artist. Two fifty, he said, the offer accentuated by a shrill, Yep, yep, yep. Four hundred. Three sixty-one. And my watch. By the way, why do you lurk around powwows? I asked, bullying poor teenagers. Was that a smile? Hard to tell. He certainly flashed teeth. I'm not the real problem, Mel. Ha! There's cash in my pocket. Take your share and get lost. I need to transform. My date likes men, not dogs. Maybe a playground wasn't the best place for this. He had exactly $361 in his velvet blazer. I counted the money, grabbed the watch, and then sped off before a cop arrested us for creeping around Princeton Park at night. A parting glimpse in my rearview mirror exposed Coyote's man-shaped silhouette half-dressed. You better flatter me in that article, he shouted. That night, hunched over my laptop in the hotel room, I obliged. He possessed a fiendish smile and eyes more piercing than Cupid's arrow. With a dashing swirl, Coyote draped the pelt across his shoulders and said, Concentrate on your pain. I'm not the real problem, 
every moment you've been hurt, every person who has wronged you. Who wronged Junior? How much pain did he carry? Why the hell didn't I ask that question earlier? Rita, Frankie, and Junior lived near a metro stop. That's where I met Junior the next weekend. As he disembarked from the bus, still wearing his black shirt, tan pants, work uniform, I waved. Aunt Mel, he said. Hi there. He possessed all of Frankie's height, but none of his muscles. As we hugged, I felt a surge of protectiveness for the fragile, gangly child. Thank you for getting my money back. Oh, ask me for the time. What time is it? He held up his wrist and studied the Rolex. 4.39. We started walking home, our shared gait unhurried. Rita had invited Fiona and me to a barbecue, but there'd be time for food later when the day cooled enough to stoke my appetite. How's school? I asked. He shrugged. That bad, huh? I empathized with the weight on his shoulders, the world's apathy, and his peers' cruelty. Understood his weariness, knew why he might want to wear any skin but his own. Well, more or less, my teenage years were a hormonal mess of unrequited love, brown girl in mostly white school, bullshit, lesbian in Texas, bullshit, and fights with rival cliques. Junior had other issues to contend with. I stared at him with my glass-magnified eyes until he started to talk, and once the floodgates opened, all his woes tumbled out. His shy, awkward personality, the one I found endearing, made it difficult to socialize, and Junior had no friends his age. He also needed more time than most kids to finish written schoolwork. Of course, the local bullies had a field day with that. They called him worse names than I care to repeat, and teacher intervention only exacerbated matters. I'm sorry, Junior. His brow knit. Why? You haven't done anything. I shrugged, and he probably got the point because he smiled. You should contribute to bi-monthly weird sometime. When people annoy me, guess what I do? What? Make them Mothman's victims. Obviously change their names first. Any resemblance to real persons living or dead is purely coincidental? He asked. Most of the time. Can I write about the Wendigo? Hell yes. Monster diversity. My boss will love it. Incidentally, Morty has a cousin your age. Rick, that's his name, moderates the Daily Weird Lycanthrope Forum. You ought to hang out. We spent the barbecue drafting Junior's first article. He had a bright future for the magazine. I just hoped that the real weird stayed away from us both.
here's what I appreciate about about this story. And I'm fairly certain that there are cultures around the planet that um, have uh, uh, literary uh, roots in uh, monsters and other worldly creatures. But in my experience, there's no culture that does it so extensively or successfully as Native American lore. There are so many different kinds of monsters in in the Native American cosmology of of other worldly creatures. And for me, monsters in our storytelling have always represented the monster inside. They are it's always talking about, you know, that part of ourselves that we can safely deal with by externalizing, right? I wonder what new monsters storytelling will come up with to describe those creatures that lurk inside of us these days, these um, really dystopian times we live in, where we are, as a country, struggling with so much polarization, and each side being completely convinced that the other side are are monsters, are, are a complete aberration of what an American is supposed to be. I wonder what kind of imagery we conjure for the others on the opposite side of that aisle or the political fence. How do we picture those people that we are convinced are dangerous creatures, dangerous to the democracy. There are times that I think that, you know what, no matter what our differences are, that the truth is if we choose to sit long enough in the presence of one another and share our stories, we will find the commonality. And yet, and still, um, there are monsters that lurk in our hearts. And we have to deal with these monsters. We have to find a way to bring them in check because no matter what the outward appearance, I genuinely believe that inside we have more in common than there are differences that lie between us. And as always, the monsters are simply a figment of our fear. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads, as always, is Julia Marie Smith, the best in the business, with assistance from New York's own Harry Huggins and Renee Colvert right here in the City of Angels. Renee being one of my favorite human beings on the planet. A special shout out to Kristen Torres for story suggestions. Editing and sound design by Brendan Burns, who knew the kid was so talented. Thanks to Darcy Little Badger for allowing me to read her story today. Her young adult novel, Elatsoe, is out this August from Levine Querido. It's a ghostly tale set in an America shaped 
by the ancestral magics and knowledge of its indigenous and immigrant peoples. You can pre-order it now and follow her on Twitter at Shining Comic. That's S-H-I-N-I-N-G-C-O-M-I-C on Twitter. And here's an idea. If you like listening to the show, why not recommend it to a friend who you think might enjoy it? And encourage that friend to also leave a ratings or a review on Apple Podcasts. You both might want to consider including a story suggestion for us. We read them. We love them. We use them. We'll be back next week with another hand-picked story. But if you don't want to wait that long, you don't have to. You can get next week's episode right now, plus exclusive bonus interviews on Stitcher Premium. Each story goes up one week early, and it's ad-free. Just go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar, or if you're listening in Stitcher, just tap the menu button in your app and select Premium for one month free. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Media. Our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producers are Chris C.B. Bannon and yours truly, LeVar Burton. I am LeVar Burton, and you can find me on Twitter, at LeVar Burton, and check out my newest series called This Is My Story. You'll find it on my Twitter feed and on YouTube. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not.